Welcome to the No More Leafies podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle, and we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we're talking about the 2002 drama, Secretary. And just before we start, just want to give a trigger warning. This movie talks about some themes of self-injury, cutting, and is it BDSM? Mm-hmm. Look at me, knowing my sexual terms. <laughs> but before we dive into the movie, let's get into some housekeeping. If you love the podcast and you want to support us, here's a few ways you can. Did you know writing a review and or rating us helps us get more listeners? If you want to be featured and help us grow, head to Apple, Spotify, Podchasers, Good Pods, or your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. And if you want to make sure that you're on top of all of our new episodes and get an alert, make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Do you want exclusive content, stickers, lives, and access to our Burned Odd Spotify playlist? If that sounds awesome to you, head on over to patreon.com slash no more late fees and become a Patreon bestie. Well, let's dive into secretary. Now, Years before we got Fifty Shades of Grey, we had Secretary. Lee Holloway, a young woman with a history of severe emotional problems, is released into the care of her overbearing parents following a stay at a mental institution. She finds work as a secretary for a rigid and demanding attorney, E. Edward Grey, and starts dating the kind but dull Peter. However, Lee soon realizes she's turned on by Gray's stern demeanor and begins a sadomasochistic relationship with him. The movie stars James Spader, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Leslie Ann Warren, Jeremy Davies, and Oz Perkins. The movie was directed by Stephen Shaneberg, and the screenplay was written by Aaron Cressida Wilson. And it's based off the short story by Mary Gateskill and Steven Shaneberg. You can watch it on Tubi currently. Watch out for those commercials. They be getting you. (laughs) But before we get started, let's get into our ratings rewind. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial ratings. Our scale consists of, would buy it, would buy it again. The best, would play and repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same-day rental. Get up dumpster diving like Lee. So Danielle, what is your Y2K rating of secretary? Danielle of Y2K was straight out in public saying that this was one of her favorite movies. Really? Yes. That's shocking. (laughs) You never said that to me. (laughs) I I love this movie. Interesting. So it would, it would be a would buy, would buy it again. Fascinating. (laughs) I feel like rewatching it made me re- learn a lot about Y2K Danielle today. <laughs> so Y2K Jackie, I remember watching it, was intrigued, 
Because mm. like you said, we didn't have Fifty Shades of Grey to really introduce us to the whole world of BDSM. This gave us a little taste. Yeah. But didn't put a label on it. Fifty Shades of Grey didn't give us shit either. So just more props and better, bigger budget. That's true. So Y2K Jackie was probably at a five-day rental. Plus, she loved an indie. So that alone was like, oh, yeah, this new interesting thing. Watch it. I think that's what it was. I felt like real cool chic and be like, secretary, you know, you ever heard of it? It's real, (laughs) real, like, it's hot in the streets, but not everyone knows. It's not every street. You know what I mean? This movie had a budget of $4 million and made $9.3 million worldwide. The director stated that he wished to show that BDSM relationships can be normal and was inspired by the film My Beautiful Laundrette, which he feels normalized gay relationships for audiences in the 1980s. I pulled one of, there was a lot of really good reviews. The critics very much liked this movie, but Ain't It Cool News commented, perhaps there's something bold about saying that pain can bring healing as long as it's applied by the right hand. But even that seems obvious and even normal, thanks to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Which I agree, she really did a great job in this role. You know, obviously she had done and continued to do a lot of indie movies. But I I feel like for me, this was the first time I ever just like saw her as an actress. Like I don't Mm -hmm. recall seeing her in anything else before this. And obviously, James Spader, not for you, maybe, but for the the rest of us who watched John Hughes movies, he was the evil jackass in Pretty in Pink. He was in Pretty in Pink? Oh, yes. Who knew? Everybody. Everyone except for <laughs> So it was really interesting to see him in this role. And it's even more interesting to rewatch it now seeing what he's become in life like just his evolution as an actor this movie was very on brand for him and Um, i do want to say that this is a comedy podcast so we are probably going to make light of some scenes but as long as everyone's consensual we applaud you do what you do we're we're not ever going to yuck on anyone's yum yeah, like your kink, your business. We're not yeah. hating on it. <laughs> it may be different to us. And obviously we're not gonna talk about our kinks. Cause I think my I think Your kink my... is the bone making the bone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have I have let out some of my kinks and weird things that I like. But yeah. I, I at the core of this movie, Jackie. I feel like it's an unconventional love story. I think I did a TikTok a while ago during Valentine's Day, some unconventional love stories that maybe don't get as much love. They're not from a rom-com perspective. But I think why I love this movie so much, it's because the idea of finding someone, no matter how different or odd or specific your likes or your wants and needs may be there is the possibility that there's going to be someone who will have those same things or will very much 
respect and love the things that those quirks that you have and you're and and loving your whole self you know the, the scars and the you know the things you hide away as well as the things that you show to the light Okay, let's get started. I wrote typewriter clickies. Oh, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> uh, okay. So we see Lee. She is a secretary, if you can figure out by the title of the movie. And she is kind of doing her secretarial duties, pulls a paper from a typewriter, has an envelope, is making coffee, just your normal everyday secretary activities. However, she is bound to a bar that's going across her shoulders and kind of uh, handcuffed with her arms straight out as she does all of this. So she is using her hands when she can. She uses her mouth to grab the paper out of the typewriter. And so this is And she seems incredibly put together, incredibly confident. And then we see a a title screen that says six months earlier. So that's how we are introduced to Lee, the secretary. And now we are rewinding back in time. I, one of the things that you notice pretty early on is that the set of the office set is very like bright it gives but i'm a cheerleader vibes with the colors that they chose it's highly stylized this whole movie is very stylized and and the you can tell the set designers were very thoughtful in every piece that went into this movie the director said that they you know with the subject matter they could have made the set very dark but instead opted for the bright colors and to kind of mix in some nature as well, which we'll get to when we talk about Gray's garden, <laughs> which I thought was really cool and a, a different aspect that I would have never really thought about. And in watching this movie made me sad again because we don't get the colors in movies nowadays like we were getting at this time period. We were not getting, we're not getting those colors, those pinks, those blues. Like, I don't see them ever. Even like, I guess what you would consider a super girly movie. If we do get pinks and stuff, it's like that neon thing that we've absorbed from John Wick situation. Yeah. Which. Like oversaturation. Right. And you know, I'm not like, I'm not one of the film bras to, to know all these things, but I love color. So it makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. So as we go on, we see Lee is being kind of not dismissed. She's she she's discharged. Yeah. She's able to finally leave and her mom comes and picks her up. And now obviously when I see this actress, oh, I can't think of anything but her bush because Same. of your mom. Same. So <laughs> Leslie Ann Warren, a gem of an actress. She <laughs> is in an icon. She did a lot of musicals. She was Cinderella and Cinderella. Gorgeous, lovely actress. However, 
my mother, Miss Terry, loved the movie Victor Victoria. We have talked about it. She introduced Danielle to it, and it is now a favorite of Danielle's. But there is a scene in it where she's doing these high kicks, and her bush is just hanging out the sides of her panties. <laughs> and every time I, I feel- see this lovely, lovely woman, all I think about is that scene in Victor Victoria. <laughs> I feel so immature, but about it, you know, obviously it's not a big deal, but it's just a core memory from yes. like childhood now that it's just seared in my brain. It, it was like, as soon as we were like teenagers, like 16 ish, mom was like, Hey, come here, watch this. <laughs> it was, <laughs> she's like, just look, look at her high kicks her bush is hanging out. <laughs> she's just so full of wonder that that made it into the movie for some reason but yes when, when i come we have to surprise your mom with a victor victoria movie night and make it themed and she'll have no idea oh i, I love that i just want to wear a bodysuit with fake bush oh please do <laughs> oh my god it'll be so amazing <laughs> So yes, Leslie Ann Warren plays the mother who is kind of powerless. The father is very over overbearing, has a drinking problem. And so the mom is kind of lost in her way and doesn't really know how to relate to either daughter and is just doing the best she can. But then we also find out later on, like doesn't really want to be home. So she'll drop Lee off at work and just sit in the car and like crochet until it's time for Lee to finished with work i feel like one of the themes of this movie is control right yeah obviously almost every character has had so many trauma traumatic things happen and they're using these different things to try to gain some control in their life yeah and i think with lee's mom i can imagine that maybe her entire purpose at one point were her children and now they're grown up but one of her daughters is you know, extremely not doing well. And she doesn't have the coping mechanisms to teach her child how to cope and get through, you know, this hard time. And I think Lee's cutting is a response to obvious daddy issues and the fact that her father drinks and that's his coping Mm -hmm. mechanism for whatever his traumas are. And I think Lee grew up worrying very much about her, her dad very complex emotions and feelings and anybody who's had a parent that struggles with any kind of addiction could understand how that that's why like Al-Anon or anything like that when you go for support because their drinking like will affect your everyday life and you may have certain coping mechanisms that aren't healthy so So, but Lee happens to be released on the day of her sister's backyard wedding. (laughs) And she's marrying the very tall, nerdy guy from Legally Blonde. Yeah. Who is Anthony Perkins' son? (laughs) (laughs) Danielle was stunned, shocked, (laughs) and awe. The the woman couldn't, what is that? The woman could not speak. Yeah. Yeah, could not. Yeah, Anthony Perkins, who was in Psycho. They have the same eyeballs. He does have that 
crazy vibe with the eyes, crazy eyes. But is Anthony Perkins that tall? Was he that tall? I don't know. Let's ask Google. How? Because his he his son looks so freaking tall. But I I also don't know sometimes if people are really tall or is it that so many people in Hollywood are so short. He was six two. Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Okay, so now how old, how tall is the son? I'm very curious. Let me see. <laughs> how many? How tall is is Oz Perkins? Six four. Yeah. So that tracks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Those are some some very large trees to climb. Yes. So son of Anthony Perkins and Barry Berenson. That's a name. This backyard wedding has a lot of characters happening all at once but jeremy davies he's um, a child actor what were you i say? spent the majority of the movie thinking that was Corey feldman what <laughs> he Jackie. looks exactly like Corey feldman i kept on wanting to think that he was the guy that played ellie and et but i know that's not who it was like i i just couldn't figure out which 80s movie this kid that he was in when he was a kid well what was he in but he played, he definitely had that weird vibe. He nailed it in this movie. Yeah. So it was just two lost souls. <laughs> it was like two pieces of driftwood in the ocean. And you how like they bump up against each other and they just ride out the waves together for a yeah. while. That was Lee and Peter. Peter. Yeah. But he was way more into her than she was into him especially after she met mr gray yeah so like as soon as she you know she's at this wedding and here's this guy and it, you kind of get a, a second hand of like oh they know each other there's some something brewing not there was never like a hey let's go out let's i want you to be my girl kind of thing it just happened. we're just at the laundromat eating dinner because there's also a restaurant in the laundromat i think that's a great business model i'm just i'm not gonna <laughs> lie i think going back to our barbershop episode of the strip club slash barbershop snips and nips <laughs> i forgot about that. and if you want to add a food aspect snips nips and dips <laughs> mm-hmm. don't get any of those mixed up <laughs> Anywho, I think the laundromat slash dinery is a very smart model for, especially for places where that is needed, like in New York, California, you know. It was just interesting, like, that's where they chose to hang out. (laughs) I feel like her parents' house had had to have had a washer and dryer. I just said, we're going to the laundromat. I just want to know how many fucking whitey tidies did Peter have in that basket? And why are you throwing out good underwear? Because I looked, I didn't see a hole there at all. No skin marks? No. Well, I didn't see any skin marks or holes. So <laughs> why are we throwing away good underwear, Peter? But I guess it's because he can't have babies. We'll get there. We'll get there. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So after the wedding, dad's been drinking. Tensions are kind of high. And so... Lee immediately goes back into kind of her comfort area, which for her 
is self-injury. She, she cuts herself. She has like, and it's very ritualistic, which it like that typically is. She has her little box. She takes out all of her things and she typically does it on her upper thigh area somewhere. I remember, so, I remember uh, watching this and this was the, my very first experience with even knowing that this was, I, I believe this is the first time I re- I realized that this is something that inflicts that people are inflicted with. So mm-hmm. I'm, I, I do believe I asked my mom a little bit about it, but not too much. Cause then she was like, well, what are you watching? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> yes. I, I read a lot of what would now be considered banned books when I was younger. So there were quite a full, quite a few books that hit on cutting. So I did know what it was and kind of not obviously the full scope of understanding why people gravitated towards that, but definitely understanding that people had tendencies to self-harm as a way of, of controlling something or feeling something or feeling something different when they're presented with a situation they find uncomfortable in. And that's kind of the situation with her dad. I think in this scene, correct me if I'm wrong, she actually puts her stuff away she doesn't actually cut herself, but then she's making herself a cup of tea in the next scene. And I was she, like, girl, don't do it. That, that's same. brave. Yeah. Like she, uh, so dad and mom are arguing. Dad's starting to kind of push mom around. And that's when kind of her trigger hits. And so she takes the tea kettle off of the stove. It's already been whistling. And she walks to her room and like literally puts it up against her inner thigh. And so I hmm? go ahead. No, I was actually really surprised because we do learn that her mom has locked like up the knives and stuff like that. I was surprised that her kit was still in her bedroom. Same. And that her mom hadn't done like a full sweep of the room. But I'm wondering if they knew about all the cutting or if they just thought she could try to commit suicide. Yes, because we do find out later on in the movie, there is a flashback of why Lee was admitted to this institution. And it's because she has this internal monologue going, she's doing dishes, her mom's in the kitchen and her mom turns around and she's like, okay, I have to be quick about it. And like, she has the urge to cut herself and ends up cutting too deep. And so they think it's a suicide attempt which is how she ends up in treatment at the beginning of the movie. So um, next scene is she has floaties on like, she has like (laughs) four sets of floaties, like two on her arms, two on her legs. I'm like, that's kind of a smart, smart play. So you could literally just... Or you could just get a big float. What was happening here? I don't know. Maybe they couldn't afford it. And I also had the thought, her arms and legs are that tiny that she could put little kid floaties on them. I believe it. (laughs) I, I do think that this is just visually one of those examples of how... And this is why her and Peter kind of get along so well. When we first meet Lee, she is teetering back and forth between childhood childlike behavior 
and adult behavior, which is understandable because trauma stunts. So, and we see that with Peter as well. They're both living at home. They both haven't like hit those, uh, some of those adult milestones and the floaties that very much gave me childlike, even her room, even that unicorn thing that she has, that she uses to cut herself. So there's like a lot of just little girl-like elements. Even her her underwear seems very like what we wore in like fifth, fourth grade. Yep. So she does start a typing class. She realizes she's actually really good at typing. She's very quick. So she's in typing class class why could okay baby girl is what is this movie 90s 2000s when did it come out 2002 we have folders we have picture frames we have carrying around her little (laughs) certificate and it's all wrinkled like what are we doing here you trying to get a job that's not presentable this is true but that also feeds into that in between a child and a adult like when we tell like we just for the audience who hasn't seen the movie lee is walking around with this crumpled up paper like certificate of her scores from her typing class so there's no like regard of like "Mm, i might rip this and then this is like special or something i need to present to potential employers it's just like literally it reminds me of when you were a kid and you would just shove shit in your desk and then like (laughs) the teacher needed a piece of paper and you're like oh and you're like trying to smooth it out the best you can (laughs) to turn it in that's what it reminded me of so we also do get some like danielle said we see mom locking up the cabinet putting all the sharps in the cabinet there is some like voiceover that says she's been doing it since seventh grade um she does attempt to throw away her kit yeah and then she just can't and so she goes actually goes back to the trash can to retrieve it but when she does she sees the a newspaper that's been thrown away and it it happens to be on the help wanted page So she pulls it out and starts circling potential typing jobs, secretarial jobs. It doesn't seem like she goes to many places. Yeah. I feel like she's one of those lucky few that finds her first job, like, after the first try. And let me paint a scene of this office. It looks like a cracked den house but with better furniture (laughs) and I don't know if anyone's been paid to like spruce things up or clean things up in a while like it just looks messy like someone came and trashed the place the interesting thing is he has his little sign out front with his name on it and like lawyer's office or whatever but then he has secretary (laughs) wanted and it's surrounded by light bulbs. And I guess if it's lit up, he needs a new secretary. That's a red flag. That's that's a crispy cream of secretaries. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it, it, oh, it's hot. To, it, there, there's a new batch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And as she's going in, the last secretary is leaving. She's got an envelope in her, her mouth. 
and she is just got stuff has in the her box. little box of things yeah so my question jackie knowing that he's probably had this turnover of a ton of different secretaries has he tried the stuff that he ha- is going to in the timeline with lee with the other secretaries or not oh i think so i think he alludes to it later on in the movie too mm-hmm. because he tries to give her the same envelope it's like he he tries to push them as far, or like not tries to push them, but he he obviously has kinks and like obviously there's a breaking point with every previous secretary and then he just gives his like little severance letter and pays them and they be on their way. Now, in 2022, rewatching this movie, I very much understand the problematic tones. Yes. To this movie. I I mean, obviously, even the actors, these two have to be at least 20 years apart. I want to say she's in her early 20s, and he's got to be in his 40s at this point when this movie is made. And then on top of that, he's her boss. Mm-hmm. And like, he, I don't even know if he ever gets an inclination that she's interested. He just does it, and she just takes it. So, I mean, yeah interesting yeah let me look he <laughs> he was 17 years older than her yeah or okay is. i have so many random tabs open right so she goes in i do i did write gives very wrinkled typing certificate <laughs> <laughs> and the first question this man asks he is a lawyer by the way <laughs> right which makes the sexual harassment case he's building against himself astronomical question he asks is are you pregnant are you planning on getting pregnant legal i'm sorry yeah (laughs) hr immediately 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 no immediately no it's not good but you're not supposed to do that and then he's like do you live in apartment alone do you live with your parents do you have any siblings are you married like, and then why he's were like, those important questions? That's real creepy. I don't know. Like, are you going to come kill me at night? And I love where he's like, did you win an award? And she <laughs> hands the very wrinkled <laughs> typing certificate to him. And then we see him. He is very, very eccentric. He is very quirky. He has a little orchid terrarium and he's like talking to her, but like misting his orchids at one point. Yes. And it's not it's politically incorrect to call him crazy i was saying that to describe him back in the 2000s when i saw this movie yeah now he is just very eccentric yes that is the correct term yes it it seems like he might be a germaphobe he is he uses that dart to dial things (laughs) he's a germaphobe there's some ocd i you know when we meet his wife, I believe that it's kind of, again, like the Christian Grey situation where he was a submissive and Correct. his wife was the dominant. Yes. And I, I could, felt that too. I could so see Lee shifting into that as well. Yeah, the dom role. So he essentially is like, you've got the job, go make me coffee. 
Lee's struggling to make coffee. We have like a five minute long scene of her just trying to put the new water glug glug on top that of the dispenser. That thing is fucking hard to do. I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna give Lee some props for that because I don't know if you've ever had to lift one of those water things and and fill it without spilling the water every goddamn where, but it's hard. I have. Well, it's hard. <laughs> but I am also abnormally strong. <laughs> It's not even like how heavy it is. It's just like trying it's to cumbersome. get it into yeah, to get yeah. it into the the spout thing without spilling the water everywhere. Yeah. Which Lee does. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I kept on trying to question, is there carpet in there? I hate carpets in a kitchen and a bathroom. There's nothing that disgusts me more. <laughs> if that's your house, I'm apologizing in advance, but it's just one of my ticks. How are you cleaning that? How are you disinfecting carpet please let me know this is what the trigger warning is for (laughs) (laughs) so he tells her she's overqualified even though she's never had a damn job in her life i mean but way to build her confidence i (laughs) he's saying that because i think he he's self-sabotaging because he knows what he's about to do because he's he finds her intriguing yeah Because she is as well quirky and interesting. Would you say he's a predator? Yes. Only because he lures women in on the pretense of needing a secretary. Like if he was just on the up and up and just going to like spots where like, you know, subs hang out or whatever, or it's a meetup, that's cool, whatever. But the fact that he's using his place of business and his position of power to lure women in, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because obviously from, like, the other secretary and stuff, like, she wasn't down with it. Maggie was totally down with it and it wasn't like she was coerced into it or anything. She was like, I want more. Yeah. What? (laughs) We'll get there. Yeah. (laughs) So Lee gets the job. She is practicing in the bathtub, answering phones. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if this is a thing that people do and I just don't do it, but I don't really rehearse things trying to think if you rehearse things like in the shower like in the privacy of your own home please let me know i'm interested because it's just not something that has ever been in my realm of thinking i don't practice things i do fantasize i have a very very imaginative situation going on up here (laughs) all of these character backstories yeah i do build out a lot of different storylines and variations of what the possibilities could be like i guess if i had a superpower it would be like you know how dr strange was able to figure out like all the different variations that would probably be something i would think of all the variables but that's a trauma response i'm aware (laughs) but i'm also very good at it (laughs) So, oh, and he did tell her it's very dull work. And she said, I like dull work. So (laughs) she's in the bathroom 
there's this lady that shows up. I don't know where she spends her time. She just always shows up in the bathroom. The blonde lady? I yeah. think she's another lawyer. But do they share the same space? I think so because, and again, this could be, I made up some more backstory. I feel like there were other renters in that building because as she's walking, as Lee's walking by in some parts, she's like saying hi to other people. But I know But it seems like his area is very secluded. Yeah. I just feel like maybe they shared the building area because they share a communal bathroom yeah between all the tenants but i feel like the lawyer's place like her office is the bathroom (laughs) she is always fucking in there and she has files and shit like late that later on scene when lee goes in there she got files on that toilet (laughs) with her maybe she just has ibs and it's just easier to do her work from the toilet that's a kind assumption. <laughs> I just think she's Looney Tunes a little bit. Maybe. Um, so she does meet another paralegal or lawyer, some lady in the bathroom. She leaves her blue eyeshadow on accident and Lee's like, ooh, let me do my eyes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that scene gives me flashbacks to my girl. One, when Jamie Lee Curtis's character puts on the blue eyeshadow, like it just was uh, like seared right then. I was like, "Oh, I remember that." Yeah, I remember that. Oh, and then this is the scene where he's like, "I threw out the notes on that case. I'm gonna need you to to go through the dumpster." <laughs> this <me> motherfucker. <laughs> So the the whole premise of this thing is that he is constantly testing Lee to see how far he can push her. Yep. Which I'm sure, again, has to do with how far he might have abandonment issues. So he, he thinks that maybe if he pushes people away, if he pushes them away before they could push him away he'll feel safe or oh you say you love me let me see if that's true per se so he purposely throws his fucking file in the trash no way he didn't remember well uh, i guess he did but then he's like oh never mind i found another copy that that's because his germaphobe self knew damn well he was never going to touch that right he didn't find another file he made sure he had a duplicate and he threw that thing in the trash to see if she would do it it was all a setup that man is just stop playing with me she did do it she yeah she she dumped she jumped into that damn dumpster like it was a kid thinking they could jump into a pool of jello and he's just If we could just get all the seeds, collect all the seeds of him creeping. Oh, he was 100% a creeper. And then he was doing frantic sit-ups, almost like he was like, that was his like (laughs) counting to 1,000 or like (laughs) thinking of grandma and her undies, like trying to like down boy after like, oh, she's willing to do shit for me. (sighs) It turned him on. Even though she was stinky. 
No comment. <laughs> no comment. You know, my germaphobe ass ain't jumping into no trash. You want me to what? Sounds like we losing that file. So. <laughs> Well, I don't know what we're going to do about this, but. <laughs> oh, no, you threw it out. I'm so sorry to hear that. You want well, me to what? Mm. It's also in, in during this day that she brings him donuts and she sees the donuts in the trash. Yeah, that hurt her feelings. Yeah. I think I, I would have gone off if I if I bought someone donuts and they threw yeah. it away. And then as she's coming back in, he sees like little butterfly bandages on her legs. So he knows that she she's cutting herself. Wait a minute. Let's my gloss over the scene, Jackie. Okay. Um, he's got a rat trap. Oh, I forgot about the rat traps. He's got rat traps. And so like he throws all these things that she's supposed to do. Like he tells her like five things at one time. And so she's trying to like do the one thing of setting the rat trap because i guess they must he must have caught one and emptied it out so now he has to she has to reset it and so she's like having trouble with it and he helps her but the way in which that she has to maneuver like he's He's like behind that chair behind that chair (laughs) yes like and and don't get lazy about it too like the way that he was maneuvering was crazy so she's bending over on her hands and knees and he's checking it all out and then, you know, like you said, he sees the cuts or whatever. And she sees hit. She's like, I see you watching me and I like it. You know, she's <laughs> all about it. But later on, we do see that they he does catch a mouse. And when I was watching it in my head, I was like, I'm sure Jackie's like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, the humanely. I was like, oh, they're humane about it. They're just letting them outside. <laughs> Mr. Gray's ex-wife comes whirling in which by the way just a note she was on one life to live back in the day just saying and she is very like in your face yelling at him and so he becomes like danielle said like the submissive in that relationship and so you can kind of see oh this is probably maybe where he learned some of his bdsm rituals from this woman walks into the scene and owns the next five minutes essentially she walks in she asks for edward we see lee struggling with a freaking cold call spam call like she can't just hang up she's freaking out this woman's like where's edward and then lee's like oh my god wait 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 because you know she she doesn't want to get in trouble by letting her go this lady go and she yeah. she says i'm edward's ex-wife and as soon as she sees lee struggling she just yells submissive like <laughs> it made like i was like this woman is my idol i just want, i just want to go around people and just be like submissive and freak, them, freak the fuck out so lee finally it like really motivates her to mm-hmm. cut these people off and hang up the phone or whatever and she goes to tell Edward that his wife is there, ex-wife. And I don't know if she calls him first to say that his, ex, you know, so-and-so was there. But No, when... I think he hears her in the hall. Right. She doesn't call him yet. But she screams at the top of her lungs, Edward! And then <laughs> that man 
went like it was like a cartoon the smoke that was left behind that he he left so fast he had like a secret closet that he like (laughs) it just looked like it was part of the wood paneling and he's just like his little coffin so he doesn't have to deal with his ex-wife like i don't know who this lady is but i love her i want to make a man that scared and then the piece de resistance of this scene is she cannot find Edward, so she walks back out into the the waiting room area, takes his coat off the coat rack, <laughs> and stomps all over it, and then she's like, tell him I stopped by, and then, like, pieces out. But I think because, you know, he doesn't like the dirt and all that stuff, that probably, she knew that was going to irritate yeah. him a lot. It's also during the scene where Lee's dad calls and that kind of triggers her again. And so she has her little kit at work. And she's like pulling it out to to cut herself. I can't remember if she does in the scene or not. I don't I don't think, think she, she does. does. I think she's interrupted by Edward. Yeah. And then Peter calls. This is when they have their very lovely date at the laundromat. Now they're at the laundromat. They're having a date, but why is Mr. Gray there? Creeping again. <laughs> like, like be- did he follow her? It's like or- behind the little dry cleaning <laughs> rack. I feel like it was almost like an accident, but he doesn't make it known that he's there and he's just watching them yeah. interact with each other. And this is when they're having that conversation about like how tight underwear is not good if you want to have kids and and then he starts throwing away his underwear. And he is just watching. And I don't know if he was coming to the laundromat to do laundry, but he left empty-handed and was just out that bitch. And then yep. the very next day, he goes on to punish Lee as if she did something wrong. And he's like, did you go on a date? Like, he is possessive, and Lee has no idea what the hell is going on. Because they do kiss in that scene. It's pretty awkward, but they, Peter and Lee do kiss. Yeah. And then they also talk about, like, Peter says he had a nervous breakdown. That's why he's back living at home. Lee kind of is like, well, me too, kind of. So they start connecting. Like, they do have, like, commonalities. Yeah. So, yes, the next day, Mr. Gray is very upset. And he takes it out the only way he knows how. (laughs) By correcting her grammatical errors with a red pen. Yeah. They keep on saying pen, but that looked like a, a it was a marker. marker. Yeah. 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 So it's like he's circling errors, do it again. And she's having to go. And of course it's a typewriter. So And she looks like she's gonna cry at this point. Like she's very frustrated and she does have some ticks as she's like out. I don't even know how he can hear or see her, but she does this thing where she's like like in the side of her mouth as she, like while she's concentrating i demonstrated for that yeah that watching. was why i was laughing not at the actual tick but jackie doing it made made me laugh and she taps her her feet there are certain things that she does but i mean he said it himself <laughs> it was dull work also he's got a bunch of shit too like glass houses sir yes 100% <laughs> 
Oh, I can't do my little Barty Crouch Jr. tongue flick, but you'd be over there misting that orchid a whole hell of a lot. (laughs) That orchid wants to run away. (laughs) And dialing with a dart so you don't have to touch the phone. Your phone! It's not like it's a public phone. (laughs) Sir. So... And at this, he does call her into the office, right? Is that what? Oh, well, so she kind of... it's, It's odd... The flexes she makes (laughs) to kind of assert herself. So this first time, one of the submissions of like what she is having to redo, she rips off a piece of her skirt and puts it along with that piece of paper. And so that kind of triggers him. And he's like, the way you dress is disgusting. (laughs) He tells her, "You, you, you tap your feet. You sniffle, you like he's a laundry list. If someone did this to me, I would crumble. Like, you're not gonna come up in here and tell me all my shit at my workplace. Yes. And he says something about her hair too, because she ends up wearing a hairnet. Right. He says, Stop playing, stop twirling your hair. You're either gonna yes. have to stop twirling your hair or put on a hairnet. And this bitch comes up with hairnet. <laughs> I can't, I can't make this up. And it has like pearl pins in it too. And just yeah. At least she and made then, it fashionable. So she's she like comes in, she's like got nasal spray, so she'd not be sniffling anymore. <laughs> she does do some role playing. This is kind of I feel like how it's like introduced. Introduced. Slowly. Yeah, he's like, you need to be more assertive on the phone. We're going to role play and you're going to answer assertively, blah, blah, blah. And so she finally pleases him. And so he like applauds her and he's like, come here. And that's when he's like interrogating her about the date. Did you have sex? (laughs) I was like, dude. And then it drifts from there to him going about like, "I, I saw that you cut yourself you're he pretty much is like you're not doing that anymore yeah and you're a grown-ass woman your mom's not picking you up anymore you're going to take a nice walk you need to like decompress pretty much walk through the park walk home every day like your mom doesn't need to be picking you up which was a positive but it was just how did we get here to get here you know what i mean yeah and it was almost like he gave her permission to be an adult yeah it's like He's like, you can do these things. Go do them. And she's like, I've never taken a walk by myself. He's like, you grown. Go take a walk. <laughs> but again, she's having daddy issues. All she wants is some stability. And yeah. so she's going from one problematic daddy to another. Jesus help us. Yeah. But then she realizes she kind of likes when she's in trouble with Mr. Gray. She does. So the next day she makes another typing mistake. She's sniffling again. And so he's like, come into my office, (laughs) bring that letter. And he puts the letter on the desk. He's like, bend over and look at your mistakes. And so she's like over the desk, palms down, arms flat. And he spanks her over and over so fucking hard i thought it was gonna be like one spank it's like okay that's how you get your dollies no homeboy went in well the producers asked maggie if she wanted to wear a protective pad during the spanking scenes but maggie was like no i'm not wearing one she's like my character is supposed to be moved by the tiniest movement of spaders or look 
or breath, she says. So I've allowed myself to be totally open to him. (sighs) But she regrets it because (laughs) she forgot that they had to do like 15 takes. And she's like, I hurt myself in ways I didn't expect. She ended up with a football-sized bruise and had to wear body makeup for the nude scenes later in the film. Girl, what? I'm not, I mean, I know you're an actor, but I, I can quickly go back to my, my spankings as a child to fully get to where I need to get of like, well, probably not. That's not appropriate for that. That would be weird. But yeah, no. Just in the context of this shit is going to hurt. Yeah. Especially if you get it over and over and over again. And you're an actress, you know, there's more than one take. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe she was wanting to get her jollies too. I don't don't know. She wanted to try it out. And for James Spader, he said, for me, it wasn't difficult to shoot the spanking scene. I was hitting (laughs) a woman, yes. But it's hitting in the context of these characters in the setting in the story. Of course, it's not without some difficulty, but it's just one of the scenes in the film it was a scene dealt with great care, thoughtfulness as rest of the film, uh, as the rest of the film was as well. This reeks of <laughs> patriarchy. <laughs> because um, I guarantee you, if we're like, okay, now we're gonna have her spank you just as hard, he would be like, "Where's my body double?" Right. I think he could have said that a lot better. Like, yeah, you know. It's not the most comfortable scene. And I had lots of conversations with Maggie to make sure she was okay. Like nothing. It yeah. was like, no, it's an average day, yo. It wasn't difficult for me. Yeah. Meanwhile, she has a fucking football sized bruise that she has to cover up with body makeup. I'm surprised he didn't say my hand was actually quite sore from that yeah. scene, you know? Oh my God. Justice for Maggie's booty. <laughs> I do want to say that this was the beginning of many movies of me seeing Maggie Gyllenhaal naked. I've seen this woman butt naked a lot. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. She does not shy away from nudity and good for her. No, I'm not, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, I want some warnings. I don't, I don't want to see it no more. (laughs) <laughs> just be honest so where are we now so after he does the spanking she's a oh. little shocked by it but she, you could see that she gets a smile on her face about it and it's almost like she comes to the realization that there can be good pain yes other and than what I've been doing exactly like this is a better, more consensual outlet for releasing that type of pain than cutting is. Yes. And there is a moment where she, like, puts her little pinky on his pinky. Yeah. Like, it was a very tender moment in that very, like... Interesting. Yeah. I I don't want to say jolting. It was just um, surprising to viewers who are not familiar with BDSM. Yeah. I think the first time I was like, wait, what the fuck's happening? Because <laughs> it just <laughs> took a turn. And she, she, I think she goes in the bathroom and she is able to see her bruise. She is bruised pretty, yeah. pretty bad. 
And she's getting off on it. Yeah. So there is a scene later on where she's making copies and the lid to the copier is open. And I'm like, that's not how we make copies. <laughs> have we never seen a copy machine before? I think we have to get to a point that we realize that baby girl wasn't really good at her job. Yeah. I don't think a lot of errors. (laughs) I don't think she really needed to clearly because that's not what he really wanted. Mm -hmm. So, Mm. and so then we get a scene at home where she tells her mom, the locks can come off of the cabinets anymore. I'm not going to do that to myself. Yeah. And she goes and throws her kit in the river. Ken, the environmentalist is like, that's polluting. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) I don't know why, like, especially since earlier in the, the, the scenes earlier that she threw them away. So why change I think it's now? because once it was over that bridge, like, there was no taking it back. Gotcha. Okay. Gone forever. It sleeps with the fishes. So there's more, more spanking. They're having um, a, they're having a whirlwind. They're having the time of their are. life. But then things take a turn. Hold on. I just have to read this note in this, like, (laughs) because it is a little montage of, like, them playing. Okay. And my note is, desk hay saddle carrot. (laughs) (laughs) And she is literally on top of his desk, on all fours, (laughs) wearing a saddle with a carrot in her mouth and hay strewn about the desk. They were trying some things. They were. And you know what? Again, not going to knock anyone's kink. So she is now fantasizing when she is at home. She She's, she's thinking about things. Pleasuring herself. Yes. Now, let's talk about these sexual daydreams that she's having. So she is pleasuring herself. But when she thinks about Mr. Gray, very, again, loving the colors, whatever. It's like a hyper, I don't know. It doesn't matter. A psychedelic. It's like a psychedelic, but like really cool background that's happening. It's like a blossoming flower, essentially. And when she's thinking about Mr. Gray, at one point you think that like, oh, they're going to make out. But she embraces him and like lays her head on his shoulder. It's very like sensual, but more emotional than just pure sexual fantasy kind of yes. thing it's it, it's almost like a savior yes type situation. Yeah. she feels secure yeah and then she kind of looks to the left and sees a picture a framed picture of Peter and, and he's watching so he comes into the dream and then he's like on top of her on her desk or something like that but their encounter is even in her fantasy is very awkward Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, oh, no, 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 I don't like this. And so she, like, you know, puts Peter's picture down and she goes back to fantasizing about Mr. Gray. And again, like, these two have not done anything that would be essentially sexual this whole time. They haven't kissed. They haven't touched each other's privates. Nothing. Nothing. Is yeah. Just, it's sexual, but not sexual, I guess you could say. So it, that I found very interesting that even in her sexual fantasies, she's looking more for intimacy. Yes. That was the word I couldn't find like, earlier. 
And back at work, all of the corrections are framed on the wall. <laughs> like, there are people that come. I want to know who Mr. Gray's clients are because this shit is not making sense. Because some of them come in and are they not seeing this shit? I would be like, what is happening here? I, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, it, it was, that was a bizarre flex. So I think time goes on and he is less and less interest intimate in his own way with her and so she purposely does not correct something because she's like "Ooh, mistake here you go mr gray yeah she's like reading cosmo to try to figure out how to like keep her man interested and all this other stuff yeah and i think what ends up happening is i don't think he's not interested anymore i think he starts to pull back because there's a lot of shame for him personally about his his kinks and i think he feels guilty there's a lot of guilt also coming into play that he feels like he's doing this to her and probably because some of his other secretaries has have not let him go this far so he starts pulling back and he tries to transition back into like an everyday work situation which is like fuck you what is this so it's very confusing for her and you see him struggle because he doesn't catch the mistake and when she's trying to leave that day she says like i'll put in the work i'll stay late do you need me to stay late and when she's saying goodbye he's struggling with he you know he wants to like have her stay yeah she's upset he's like stuck and it's just nobody's getting their kicks yeah and so oh in a scene like later on we see mom calls the the office and she's like your dad's in the hospital and so lee's really upset she um actually because this is her replacement for cutting so now she doesn't have it and so when she has that trigger she doesn't know what to do so she ends up it's like raining late at night and she ends up going to mr gray's house because she doesn't know what else to do with herself she is used to taking care of that urge by herself by cutting or having mr gray be a dom for her yeah and when she in this scene he acts completely aloof uh, and she also does not have the confidence to ask for what she needs from him yes because he's been giving her mixed signals and so and he doesn't even really check with her like obviously she's not just coming to his house for no reason he knows something must be wrong so i felt very sad for her in that moment and i thought after she left that we would see him lurking again but he doesn't we get a glimpse of his apartment his house as well and jackie what are those gold things on like above his bed they look like gold records at first but i was like i know that's not what they are but they're like these square things with gold circles do you know what i'm talking about i don't i don't pay attention to much but there's some things that catch my eye that i was like perplexed about anywho and he's like running on a treadmill that late at night real hardcore and he gave her so much shit about her walkman at one point yeah and i believe he has one on and yes. he's running i can't 
hypocrisy of it all. One thing that we didn't talk about was that, like, when they're in their height of their love-bound bond, he, like, will tell her what to eat. Yes. Like, you can have four peas, a slice of butter, and a scoop of mashed potatoes. Like, she'll tell him what's for dinner. And I'm like, okay, this is cute and all, but that bitch ain't eating nothing. So are you trying to make her anorexic? What is this? I didn't like that part was weird to me. Not the telling her what to eat, but that she's not getting enough nutrition. Yeah. So she is fed up. Yeah. And she's walking into work one day and she sees a little wormy on the sidewalk and she's like, this is it. (laughs) It's all come to this. So she types up her letter, but then like puts the little wormy in it. She also went and took pictures at one of those studios that look like a a boudoir. Like, yeah, a boudoir picture, but like from the saloon back in the day. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. She's trying to seduce him in all the wrong ways. But he likes that shit because he keeps the photo. She also gives him roses. She gives him roses and and like frames his picture. I, I was like. Floored. Floored. Oh, that's what it was. She puts the wormy in an envelope and mails it to him. <laughs> so we have to wait a couple of days. That's a slow burn. Right. In the meantime, her and Peter are getting intimate in the bedroom. She's trying to get him to spank oh. her. He's not doing it hard enough. She's like, what your problem is? And then he thinks that she means that, like that she wants to do anal and he pulls out a condom he's like okay she's like no and then (laughs) she's frustrated that he's not getting it but again she's not vocalizing what she wants right exactly but then she starts faking it well she does (laughs) vocalize what she does after that she's like okay i'm not getting the spanking he wants to do it and she's like fine but i want no lights i keep my clothes on yeah and this is how you know, like, they're not really suited for each other because they're not communicating with each other and the need for her to fake it. And they're not having sex together. He is, right. she is an orphosis and he is just getting his kicks off because he is not tending to her needs. He is not turning her on in any way. He say, is, say that word again. Don't start with me. What is it? Or orifice? Orifice. Okay. You said orifices. You know. <laughs> Haven't been able to say words all freaking day. You're doing well now. <sighs> but he's yeah, like not doing anything for her. And I want to say this scene should just be called My 20s. Oh. Girls, ask for what you want. Because <laughs> if you don't, you're going to be like Lee. Ooh. Yeah right there Mm -mm. that's the spot i call this one the dolphin Mm -mm. (laughs) okay good night (laughs) you good okay good night that was good for me blew my world you're too big to fit in here (laughs) Hey there, welcome to the Latchkey Sibs, the podcast that challenges three siblings to take a look at our childhood movie cabinet. And one film at a time, 
criticize or defend the viewing choices we made as kids. I'm your host, Gray Baker, and I'm the youngest. I'm Holland, and I'm the oldest. I'm Allegra, and I'm a Scorpio. So what we do, uh, each week one of us will present a movie to be critiqued, and the other two will be scoring it based on five specific categories. Can we follow this? I put it out of six. It's a pretty ridiculous plot. It's a pretty ridiculous plot. Appropriate for children. I had it at a seven. I'm keeping it at a seven. Oh, come on. I have it as a nine. Each week's score will be added up, and at the end of each season, the sibling with the most points will be labeled Master of the Remote Control, and the loser will be forced to do some sort of punishment. I think we can let the magic be whatever the magic needs to be because it's a movie Classic and it's a children's movie. wavy children's movie answer. I'm just saying. I'm like, listen, you old fuck. <laughs> you just mean to your friend. Okay, the horse scene. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That is erotica. I also wrote yes. this movie is horny. This whole it's movie so horny. is so horny. Okay, we are the last reviewing movies from back in our youth. Tune in every Wednesday to find out who becomes the master of the remote control on Latchkey Sibs. So the next day, Mr. Gray receives the worm letter. He doesn't know how to process this information. <laughs> he, he does red Sharpie all the mistakes. He's doing pull-ups. Like he's trying to get it out of his mind, but it's not leaving. So he does call Lee into her office. <laughs> she's like, finally. Yeah, she assumes that she's just like hmm, assumes the position there is a fucking person at the bell that just well, like she says but he's like come and get into my office and she's like but so-and-so's out here he's like get into my office and she's like okay i mean some people i hear actually get off on other people potentially catching them yes yeah the i hear but she thinks she's gonna get spanked again Oh, no, no. This was new. This was new. He tells her to pull up her skirt. He has to say multiple times, I'm not going to fuck you. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not. But he doesn't say, I'm not going to fuck you. He says, I'm not interested in fucking you. Yes. And so he's like, pull up your skirt, pull down your pantyhose and panties. And this, this man. Jizz is all over her back. Oh, and doesn't even give her a napkin. I mean, that's not the focal. <laughs> I mean, that's not the worst part. The worst part is that it, it's like she still like... has to work the rest of the day, and now she got sticky cum shirt on her back. I also feel like her face in this moment when he does this. It's it's almost like for the first that, time that she feels like violated. Yes. Yes. That wasn't something they both enjoyed. Right. That um, was something he needed to do for himself. I wrote comes on her, everyone is confused. And then he just gives her like some forms to fill out. I was like, that is all. 
Like, I wouldn't have. I, I, I can't with the next, next. Oh, and I mean, even after that, that's the moment he knows she's got to go because he, he gets mad that he has jizz on his pants. Yes, and he tells her before. Like after this incident, he tells her to go get lunch. He tells her what she can have, what he mm-hmm. needs to have. He tells her what to do. But then he realizes, and he must have had his meeting at this point and realizes he has jizz on his pants and he loses his fucking shit. Yeah. And he starts to like down a spiral and he realizes, that, okay, she's, he's going to have to fire her because. Meanwhile, she goes out, gets lunch, goes to the bathroom lawyer on a toilet is still in there she goes to the stall and like is trying to number one wipe up the jizz that's all over her back and number two she's trying to like get off in some fashion after this odd display of affection he has bestowed upon her why on the letter of that neat with the corrections or whatever is there a ton of full protectors around it to make it sticky i guess Oh, so she can stick it because that is her, like, that is her porn, Danielle, or the red circles. So, yeah, no, she has the, the stickies. Like, why yeah. does she need that to? Oh, that's like to how stick oh, it. Okay. Stick it to the stall of the door. She has reinforcers to stick it to the stall of the door so she can pleasure herself at work. Gotcha. Interesting. Next to uh, Yes Lady. <laughs> Who's getting her kicks off listening to it? I can't. <laughs> It, yeah, it was interesting. So he does he does take all of the, the framed corrections off of the wall. And he smashes he, them. Yeah, he smashes them. He destroys everything. He burns. He has Polaroid photos of all of his previous secretaries. He burns all of them. He writes the apology, the standard issue apology letter <laughs> to Lee so that he can fire her. He tries to talk to her. He tells her to go get her her, uh, her, her typing and, certificate. Right. And he starts over again with her as if it was her one of her first day. And so you think that he's just resetting for himself. But mm-hmm. then he's like, you got to go. You can't work here anymore. And we're done like we're done and she tries to fight for him or whatever but he kicks her out we find out later because you know she be stalking he changed the locks as soon as she walks out with her box she's remembering the lady that walked out with her box when she was coming in and the Krispy Kreme <laughs> secretary needed like yes. is on as soon as she's out there and she says that he gives her a like a it's of like $600 more than he owed her And she doesn't tell anybody at first that she's been fired. This scene with her and her full clothes and shoes in the pool, swimming pool. I was like, you're messing up good clothes. That's all. She was going through some stuff. So yeah, she does pretend like she's going to work as normal. Meanwhile, she's answering these newspaper ads for like sadicist seeks masochist type thing right and some of the scenarios there's a guy who likes to be tied up to with all the ovens and stoves on tied up to it and tomatoes thrown at him and those tomatoes like it wasn't just regular tomatoes like he had to wait for those to be like damn near spoiled 
Yeah. They were so soft. Literally tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes. Yes. <laughs> so dad's sober at home. So she's kind of dealing with that new normal. Peter randomly proposes because he really doesn't know what else to do at this point. He's just like, well, let's get married. So now she's like in this, okay, I guess I'm marrying Peter phase. She's trying on the mom's wedding dress. And can we talk about the shade this bitch tried to throw at her? Talk about, oh, I guess I was a little smaller back then. Mm. What? Are we really fat shaving? She's not fat. She's so tiny. Rude. Yeah. So it's at this point that Lee decides, go big or go home. So she said, I'm going to get my man. She did. She runs to his office, breaks in, and sits in his seat with her hands in, like, the submission position. And she just sits. And, like, time goes by. Well, and she does, she says to him that, like, I want to be with you. Yeah. And he's, like, pretty much telling her that he's, it's not going to work out and all the stuff. And he has issues. And she's like, I want to love all of you. I want to know you. I want to be with you. And, like, so she, like, puts her heart out on the table, essentially. And he tells her, like, you sit here, don't move, whatever. And he packs his shit and leaves. Yeah. But of course, him being him, he fucking creeping and watching, right? Watching and watching and watching. And he calls Peter and say, yo, you looking for your girl? She at the office. Yeah, exactly. And and watches Peter come to try to get her, because like she ain't moving. And she slaps Peter around like he ain't nothing. And get, like, cause Peter pulls her away from the table mm-hmm. and she's so upset because like she did not want to move. That's what he told her to do. That's what yeah. Edward told her to do. Well, and Peter does say, is this something sexual? And she's like, <laughs> does it look sexual? But really, <laughs> Peter was spot on with that, that call. But I don't necessarily know if it is sexual. Yes. Sex can be a part of it, but I think this is how they're intimate with each other, you know, as, you know, other couples would do maybe something different. This is how they express that intimacy. So I don't think that scene was inherently sexual. The declaration of love. Yeah. So, so the next day. Was she doing that chair, Danielle? Cause she'd been there all night. I'm sure she shit too. She, you just see the drip, drip, drips. Now, the part of this that I don't understand is this. How did, I, I don't, I guess Peter tells his family and her family what, like, she's just fucking sitting there. But, like, there's a whole party. They, everybody is there. And I, what I, I was confused about is, like, how does everyone figure out what she's doing? Like, yeah. does or- she that they're just totally cool and hanging out right his ex-wife comes like yeah. what is happening here it's and like they're the- ordering in food and stuff and just like let's play board games while she sits at that desk and pisses on herself super weird and then the news comes and talks about her like so he watched this fucker watches her he for days 
I, I'm guessing it's days. I don't know how long she's there as she sits in her own piss. He's at home, tortured. Oh, it says day three of the Lee Holloway hunger strike. Oh my God. So yeah, she's not eating. Her mom even tried to bring like three peas and a piece of mashed potatoes. A scoop of mashed potatoes. So yeah, they have, it's interesting that the, the different people that come and sit with her. Yeah. The different things that they say. Yes. So she does say that she's always suffered but now she's not so scared because she found someone to feel with. Yeah. Instead of being this island by herself. I think what her dad says to her is very sweet. Uh, I he, think. It, do you have what he said? Mm-hmm. I have Go ahead. Oh, so his da- her dad tells her, your soul and body are yours to do with what you wish. So if like, if this is what you need to do, then you do right. this very supportive and he's also been sober so that's that's really good yeah everybody is very encouraging peter's parents are like not happy the mom's like you better dry clean that dress <laughs> i'm like girl that shit is reeked and pissed but you don't want that back i'm sure peter is destroyed as he should be because regardless he wasn't a bad guy yeah and then Mr. Gray, he you see him kind of wrestling with his own demons. He's like sleeping on the floor, trying to get comfy, like try to feel something different and nothing's working. So he eventually, he drives up and she's actually asleep. He wakes her up and picks her up and carries her out of the office. Then this. No, they're, but, up, they're upstairs. There's an upstairs part, apparently. Right. So, so he carries her out of his office and all of a sudden there's like this botanical bedroom upstairs. (laughs) He has a, like a green room of pain, but it's a greenhouse of pain. Well, this is what the director was saying that like, he wanted to add some of the natural, you know, flowers and stuff like that to to kind of balance out some of the dark themes. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So he, he, there's a bathtub. He's like washing her, washing the piss away. There's nothing sexier than scenes where a man is bathing and washing a woman's hair. I don't, that, if that, if there's a kink, that's mine. I'm very much like. That bathtub is gorgeous. It is. It's like a gold gilded clawfoot tub but it's not a regular clawfoot tub it's like higher on one end and lower on the other yeah it's very beautiful yeah so like he is like drying her off we get visuals of all her scars like he's just taking her in for who she is and then she does say for the first time in my life i felt beautiful and he loves me back. And then we get this. This was the other part that I didn't quite enjoy. Like these very schoolgirl knee highs that yeah. she's in. And yeah, not sure what that's about. We find out that they get married. Mm-hmm. They like to bone in the woods. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they didn't have like a long honeymoon or anything like that and then you see them having she says that pretty much their stuff rolls into like everyday scenarios because he does say to her before she does her hunger strike that like we can't do this shit 24 7 365 days Mm -hmm. a year and she's like the hell we can't (laughs) 
And then you do see the very last scene is like her being kind of like Susie Homemaker, but she knows how to spice it up. So she like puts a dead cockroach in the bed. So when he gets home. That's terms of divorce for me. Okay. <laughs> Again, not judging anyone's kink, but we already know. Jackie he also learned do bugs. Jackie learned this weekend that this is a hereditary trait because yep. what did Serena say? <laughs> Serena adamant. So Serena loves horror. She's our little spooky doll, and I love her for it. But she said, I can't watch Men in Black because of the bugs. Yeah, so. there was, we went to Halloween Horror Nights, and there's there was supposedly a horror haunted house. haunted house that was bug themed, and I I already was like hell no. My sister was like absolutely not, absolutely not. Yeah. We did not get to enjoy that haunted house. I don't think it existed. It, it <laughs> most certainly did. Anyway, <laughs> and that is the secretary. So, any other fun facts we want to dive into? So this movie is supposed to take place in Florida. Clearly it was filmed in California because I was like, mm, Florida where? The rain did not feel like Florida rain. No, not at all. I did think it's funny that on the box or the posters for this movie, there were two. And there's one that shows James and Maggie. And then there's another one of a model that you just see from behind bending over. And Maggie Gyllenhaal said that the model was not of her. But coincidentally, it was someone who was dating her ex-boyfriend. Look, if I'm the star of the movie. I'm bending over? No. And I find out that the bitch that you're taking pictures of bending over is fucking my ex-boyfriend. I'm getting the bitch fired. We get a new model. There's no way <laughs> that I'm going to be associating this memory for the rest of every time I look at this movie. So moving on from that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Could you imagine Gwyneth Paltrow in this role? No. I think she's way too uptight. Personally. I don't think... I've seen her in quirky roles, and I've seen her do some unconventional rom-coms that I actually enjoy. But I just don't think that she... I don't know if she could have been as vulnerable. Yes. And... I don't think she would have had the same chemistry with James Bader. There is an aloofness to her that I don't yeah. think would have been able to be toned down to be Lee in this movie. Yeah. No, not at all. Glad that didn't happen. Yeah. So like we said earlier, the boss's name is Mr. Gray. Obviously, we all know that there is also a book called Fifty Shades of Gray and both the book and the movie deal with this yeah so there is a tagline now for the movie that is the original mr gray which oh. i thought was hilarious honestly the writer of this movie should sue the fuck out of them because clearly i think it's just because it's not mainstream enough but yeah come on too many similarities yeah and the producers accidentally got a permit for the wrong park where lee walks home so the onset producer had to distract the local law enforcement that showed up while the scenes were being filmed. <laughs> so that person needed to, was probably getting fired for messing yeah. that up. All right. Well, before we get into our new ratings, don't forget to hit us up at No More Late Fees on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. If you have any feedback, questions, anything, hit us up on social. 
All right. I guess we'll start with me. <laughs> what do I think? I still own this bitch. So I don't, I, you know, well, it's not one that I'm going to watch like every day, but it used to be a comfort movie for me. And I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I still like it a lot. It's weird, but it's my kind of weird. So it's fine. For me, I just, I, I find James Spader off-putting. I think, <laughs> I, no, it's hard. I, I do really think that Maggie Gyllenhaal was fantastic in this movie. And for what it was, James Spader did do really well because it's, it feels very on brand for him, but it is not something that I'm probably going to rewatch. Even if someone was like, oh, I've never seen that movie. I'm like, oh. It's watch good it on for a time. one watch, but yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to sit down and be like, let's watch this shit like I would with like Demon Knight. So I'm going to go two day rental because it's not terrible. It's just not something that's going to be in my revolution of movies. Yeah, I think for me, this is definitely just more nostalgia than anything. Yeah. Well, if you have any input to add to our secretary conversation, Hit us up at our quick drop, 909-601-6653, and MLF. Please call in. We haven't had a quick drop in quite a while. And I know plenty of people that are like, yeah, I always think about calling in and then I don't. So this is your, please call in. I think it was Stephanie. Is it Stephanie or was it someone else that was like, I don't want to call in because I don't always want it to be me. I don't care if it's the same person calling in every week. We'll post that shit, especially if you're fun. Anyway, you can twat us at the Twitters, uh, leave a message at our Anchor FM account, and you can be featured on a future episode. And join us next week as we bitty bitty bomb bomb our way through Selena with Stephanie. Stephanie, please call into the quick drop. <laughs> <laughs> And as always, be kind and rewind.